0: CHAPTER Seven OF WITCHING HILL BY E. W. HORNING. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THE LOCKED ROOM It was no great coincidence that we should have been speaking of Edgar Nettleton that night. Uvo Delavoye was full of him just then, and I had the man on my mind for other reasons. Besides, I had to talk to Uvo about something since he was down with a quinsy, caught from the perfect sanitation in an advertised vogue on the estate, and could hardly open his mouth. And perhaps I had to talk to somebody about the unpleasant duty hanging over me in connection with this fellow Nettleton, who had taken his house about the same time as Colonel Cheffins and his gang, had made up to Delavoye over that affair, and was himself almost as undesirable a tenant from my point of view. I KNOW HE'S A FRIEND OF YOURS, AND I HAVEN'T COME TO CURSE HIM TO YOUR FACE, I HAD BEEN SAYING. BUT IF YOU WOULD JUST TELL, NETTLETON, WHEN YOU SEE HIM AGAIN, THAT WE'RE IN DEAD EARNEST THIS TIME, YOU MIGHT BE DOING BOTH HIM AND US A SERVICE. I sent HIM A FINAL DEMAND YESTERDAY. IF HE DOESN'T PAY UP WITHIN THE WEEK, MY ORDERS ARE TO distrain WITHOUT FURTHER NOTICE. MUSKET'S FURIOUS ABOUT THE WHOLE THING. He blames me for ever having truck with such a fellow in the first instance. But when a man has been a science beak in a public school, and such a school, it sounds good enough for Witching Hill, doesn't it? Who would have thought he'd had the sack? Public schoolmasters don't often get it." "'They've got to do something pretty desperate first, I fancy,' whispered Uvo, with a gleam in his sunken eyes. He had not denied the fact. I felt encouraged to elaborate my grievance against Edgar Nettleton. Besides, I had his banker's reference. That was all right, yet we had trouble to get our very first rent, more trouble over the second, and this time there's going to be a devil of a row. I shouldn't wonder if Nettleton had a bill of sale over every stick. I know he's owing all the tradesmen. He may be a very clever chap and all that, but I can't help saying that he strikes me as a bit of a wrong-on, Ubo. Of course, I had not started with the intention of saying quite so much, but the brunt of the unpleasantness was falling on my shoulders, and the fellow had made friends with my friend, whose shoes he was not fit to black. Ubo, moreover, was still according me a patient, interested, hearing, as he lay like a bright-eyed log in his bed at the top of number seven. "'Altogether, it was not in my allowance of human nature "'to lose such an opportunity of showing him his new friend "'in his true colours. "'He is clever,' whispered Uvo, "'as though that was the bond between them. "'He knows something about everything, "'and he's a wonderful carpenter and mechanic. "'You must really see the burglar trap "'that he concocted after the scare. "'If another Cheffins paid him a visit, "'he'd put his foot in it with a vengeance.' it would be six of one and very nearly half-dozen of the other said i with hardihood set a nettleton to catch a cheffin's as you might say uvo but he only smiled as though he would not have hesitated to say it in fun of course you're only joking gilly but i could quite understand it if you weren't there's no vice in old nettleton let alone crime but there's a chuckle-headed irresponsibility That might almost let him in for either before he knew it. He never does seem to know what he's doing, and I'm sure he never worries about anything he's once done. If he did, he'd have gone further afield from the scene of his downfall, or else taken rooms in town instead of a red element of a house that he evidently can't afford. As a tenant, I quite agree that he is hopeless. If only he hadn't come here, I grumbled, What on earth can have brought him to Witching Hill? Uvo's eyes were dancing in the light of the reading gas-lamp with the smelly tube, which had been connected up with his bedroom bracket. Of course, he whispered, you wouldn't admit for a moment that it might be the call of the soil, and all there's in it, Gilly? No, I wouldn't, but I'll tell you one thing, I exclaimed, as it struck me for the first time. The man you described is not the man to trust with all those morbid superstitions of yours. I know he enters into them because you told me he did, and I know how much you wanted to find some who would. But so much the worse for you both if he's the kind you say he is. An idle man, too, and apparently alone in the world. I don't envy you if Nettleton really does come under the influence of your old man of the soil and plays down to him my dear gilly this is a great concession whispered uvo on his elbow with surprise i don't mean it for one said i sturdily i only mean the influence of your own conception of your old man and his powers i disbelieve in him and them as much as ever but i don't disbelieve in your ability to make both exist in some weaker mind than your own and where they do catch on remember those wild ideas of yours may always get the upper hand it isn't everybody who can think the things you do uvo and never look like doing them. i don't agree with you a bit gilly i never believe those blithering blighters who attribute their crimes to the bad example of some criminal hero of the magazines or of the stage VILLAIN WORSHIP DOESN'T CARRY YOU TO THAT LENGTH UNLESS YOU'RE A BIT OF A VILLAIN IN THE FIRST INSTANCE. BUT SUPPOSE YOU ARE, I ARGUED, ALMOST BEFORE I SAW THE POINT THAT I WAS MAKING. SUPPOSE YOU HAVE AS FEW scruples, PRINCIPLES, PANGS, AND FEARS, CALL THEM WHAT YOU LIKE, AS THIS FELLOW NETTLETON. SUPPOSE YOU'RE FULL OF FIRE OF SORTS, BUT ALSO AS IRRESPONSIBLE AND CHUCKLE-HEADED AS YOU YOURSELF SAY HE IS. Well, then, I say, it's taking responsibility for two to go pumping your theories into as sensitive an engine as all that. Uvo clapped his thin hand softly as there came a knock at the door. Well, he's a practical man, Gilly, I must admit, so let's leave it at that. Come in. What is it, Jane? The servant from Mr. Nettleton, sir, wants to see Mr. Gillen, said the maid. I began by explaining why this scarcely comes into the category of Witching Hill coincidences. Yet it was rather startling at the time, and Uvo Delavoye looked as though his evil ancestor had materialized at the foot of the bed. "'All right, Jane. Mr. Gillan will be down directly.' It was the first time his voice had risen to more than a whisper, and it was shaky. The maid seemed to catch some echo of an alarm already communicated to herself, and faintly sounded in her own announcement. "'Sarah seems very anxious to see you, sir,' she ventured, turning to me, and then withdrew in some embarrassment. I rose to follow. Sarah was almost as great a character as her master, and I, for one, liked her the better of the two. She was a simple, faithful, incompetent old body, who once told me that she had known Mr. Nettleton, man and boy, most of his life, but without betraying a page of his past. She had come with him to Witching Hill Road as Cook-General. There had been a succession of auxiliary servants who had never in any instance outstayed their month. The last of them had left precipitately, threatening a summons to the scandal of the neighbours. But beyond that fact, the matter had been hushed up, and even I only knew that Sarah was now practically single-handed through her coming to me about a charwoman. I thought I ought to see her at once, but Uvo detained me with an almost piteous face. "'Do wait a moment. Of course it's probably nothing at all, but you've given me an idea that certainly never crossed my mind before. I won't say you put the fear of God on me, Gilly, but you have put me in rather a funk about old Nettleton. He is a rum I must admit it. If he should have done anything that could possibly be traced to all that, i'll never open my mouth about it again oh bless your life it's only more servant troubles i reassured him i shouldn't wonder if old sarah herself finds him more than she can stick they do say he assaulted that last girl so that she could hardly limp into her cab uvo rolled his head on the pillow it wasn't an assault gilly i know what happened to her but I must know what's happened to old Sarah or to Nettleton himself. Will you promise to come back and tell me? Certainly. Then off you go, my dear fellow, and I'll hang on to my soul till you get back. You may have to go along with her if he's been doing anything very mad. Take my key and tell them downstairs not to lock you out. Sarah was waiting for me on the front door mat but she refused to make any communication before we left the house. She really was what she herself would have described as an elderly party, though it is doubtful whether even Sarah would have considered the epithet appropriate to her years. She certainly wore a rather jaunty bonnet on her walks abroad. It had a garish plume that nodded violently with her funny old head and simply danced with mystery as she signified the utter impossibility of speech within reach of other ears. "'I'm very sorry to trouble you, sir, very,' said the old lady, as she trotted beside me up Mulcaster Park. "'But I never did know such a thing to happen before, and I don't like it, sir, not at all I don't, I'm sure.' "'But what has happened, Sarah?' "'As a witness, Sarah would not have been a success.' She believed in beginning her story very far back, in following it into every byway and blind alley of immaterial fact, in reporting every scrap of dialogue that she could remember or improvise, and in eschewing the oblique oration as an unworthy economy of time and breath. If interrupted, she would invariably answer a question that had not been asked and on getting up to any real point she would shy at it like a fractious old steed it was then impossible to spur her on and we had to retrace much ground at her pleasure the ipsissima verba of this innocent creature are therefore frankly unprintable but towards the top of mulcaster park i did make out that a number of pointless speeches delivered by mr nettleton at his lunch had culminated in the announcement that he was going to the theatre that night the theatre i cried i thought he never went up to town i had gathered from delavoye and sarah confirmed it with much embroidery i was also told his reasons for making such a sudden exception and as given by sarah they were certainly not convincing then he's in the theatre now or ought to be i suggested for it was then just after nine o'clock. "'Ah, that's where it is, sir,' said Sarah, weightily. "'He ought to be, as you say, sir. "'But he's locked his library, and there's a light under the door, "'and I can't get no answer, not though I knock, 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 "'till I'm tired of knocking.' "'I now ascertained that Sarah also had been given money "'to make a night of it, in her case at the parish hall, "'where one of the church entertainments was going on.' sarah made mention of every item on the program as far as she had heard it out but then it seemed she had become anxious about her kitchen fire which she had been ordered to keep up for elaborate reasons connected with the master's bath there had been no fire in the library that day it was late in february but exceptionally mild for the time of year she knew her master sometimes left his library locked after that, what happened the last house parlourmaid, and serve people right for going where they had no business. She could not say that he had locked it on this occasion. She only knew that it was so now, and a light under the door, though he had gone away in broad daylight. This room, in which Nettleton certainly kept his books, but also his carpenter's bench, test tubes, and retorts, and a rack of stoppered bottles was the one at the back leading into the garden. It was meant for the drawing-room in this particular type of house, was of considerable size, but only divided from the kitchen by a jerry-built wall. Sarah could not say that she had heard a sound in the library, though she often did hear Master, as she was setting there of an evening, since he went away without his tea. Of course she had not noticed the light under the door till after dark, "'Nor, in fact, till she came back from her entertainment. "'No, she had not thought of going into the room to draw the curtains. "'The less she went in there without orders, the better, Sarah always thought. "'And yet when she trotted in front of me through her kitchen and scullery, "'and so round to the French windows of the sealed chamber, "'we found them closely shuttered, "'as they must have been left early in the afternoon "'unless Nettleton had returned from his theatre and locked himself in.' "'It was with rather too vivid a recollection "'of the finding of Abercrombie Royal "'in a corresponding room in Moncaster Park "'that I went on to my office for an assortment of keys. "'Now, Sarah, you stand sentinel at the gate,' "'I said on my return. "'If Mr. Nettleton should come back while I'm busy, "'keep him in conversation while I slip out through your kitchen. "'I don't much like my job, Sarah, "'but neither do I think for a moment that there's anything wrong.' Yet there was a really bright layer of light under the door, in which I now tried key after key, while the old body relieved me of her presence, in order to keep a rather unwilling eye up the road. At last a key fitted, turned, and the door was open for me to enter if I dared, and never shall I forget that scene that presented itself when I did. The room was unoccupied, that was one thing. Neither the quick nor the dead lay in wait for me this time. A mere glance explored every corner. The scanty furniture was that of a joiner's shop and a laboratory in one. All the library to be seen was a couple of standing bookcases not nearly full. But my eyes were rooted in horror to the floor. It also was bare, in the sense that there was no carpet, though a rug or two had been roughly folded and piled on the carpenter's bench. In their place, from skirting board to skirting board, the floor was ankle-deep in shavings. And among the shavings, like so many lighthouses in a yellow sea, burned four or five fat ecclesiastical candles. They were not in candlesticks. At first I thought that they were mounted merely in their own grease. But Nettleton had run no such risk of one toppling before its time. Their innocent little flames were within an inch or so of the shavings. One was nearer still, but before I could probe the simple secret of the vile device, there was a rustle at my elbow, and there stood Sarah with her nodding plume. "'Well, I never did,' she exclaimed in a scandalized whisper, "'trying to set fire to the ouse. Oh, fie!' The grotesque inadequacy of these comments— taken in conjunction with her comparative composure, made me suspect for one wild moment that Sarah herself was an accomplice in the horrible design. She grasped it at a glance, much quicker than I had done, and it seemed to shock her very much less. I snatched up one of the candles. They were pinned in place with black-headed toilet pins, and I lit the gas with it before stalking through the shavings and setting a careful foot upon the rest In turn, when I had extinguished the last of them, I turned to find my innocent old suspect snivelling on the threshold, and nodding her gay plume more emphatically than ever. "'How awful!' she ejaculated in hushed tones. "'Madness, I call it, setting fire to a nice house like this. But there, he's been getting queer for a long time. I've often said so. To myself, you know, sir. I wouldn't say it to nobody else.' that burglar business was the beginning well sarah i said he's got so queer that he must think what's to be done and think quickly and do it double quick but i shall be obliged if you'll stick to your excellent rule of not talking to outsiders we've had scenes enough at witching hill without this getting about oh i shan't say a word sir said sarah solemnly even poor mr nettleton he shall never know from me how i found him out i could hardly believe my ears good god woman do you dream of spending another night under this maniac's roof why of course i do sir cried old sarah bridling. who's to look after him if i go away and leave him i should like to know the very idea i'll see that he's looked after said i grimly and when it bolted the front door lest he should return before i had decided on my tactics in the few seconds that my back was turned sarah seemed to have acquired yet another new and novel point of view i found the old heroine almost gloating over her master's dreadful handiwork well there i never did see anything so artful him at his theatre to come home and look on at the fire and me at my concert, safe and sound, as if I was at church. Oh, he'd see to that, sir. He wouldn't have done it if he hadn't have arranged to put me out of arm's way. That's Mr. Nettleton, every inch. Not that I say it was a right thing to do, sir, even with the ouse empty as it is. But what can you expect when a poor gentleman goes out of his head? There's not many would care what happened to nobody else. But the artfulness of him in another minute the old house might have been blazing like a bonfire well there you do ear of such things and now we know how they appened to this extraordinary tune with many such variations i was meanwhile making up my mind the first necessity was to place the intrepid old fool really out of harm's way and the next was to save the house if possible but also, at all costs, the good name of the Witching Hill estate. We had had one suicide, and it had not been hushed up quite as successfully as some of us flattered ourselves at the time. One case of gross intemperance, most scandalous while it lasted, and one gang of burglars actually established on the estate. People were beginning to talk about us, as it was. A case of attempted arson, even if the incendiary were proved a criminal lunatic, "'might be the end of us as a flourishing concern. "'It is true that I had no stake in the company, whose servant I was, "'but one does not follow the dullest avocation for three years "'without taking a certain interest of another kind. "'At any rate, I intended the secret of this locked room "'to remain as much a secret as I could keep it, "'and this gave me an immediate leverage over Sarah.' unless she took herself off before her master returned i assured her but to the felon's cell which i described as the proper place for him i was not so sure in my own mind that i meant him to go to one or the other but this was the bargain that i proposed to sarah it came out that she had friends in the shape of a labouring brother and his wife and family whom i strongly suspected of having migrated on purpose to keep in touch with sarah's kitchen "'no further away than the village. "'I succeeded in packing the old thing off in that direction "'after making her lock her door at the top of the house. "'Previously I had removed the marks of my boot "'from the extinguished candles "'and had left the locked room locked once more "'and in total darkness. "'Sarah and I quitted the house together "'before ten o'clock. "'I'll see that your master doesn't do himself any damage tonight "'were my last words to her. He'll think the candles have been blown out by a draft under the door, which really wouldn't catch them till they burn quite low, and that you are asleep in your bed at the top of the house. You've left everything as though you were, and that alone, as you yourself have pointed out, is enough to guarantee his not trying it on again tonight. You see, the fire was time to break out before you left your entertainment, as it would have done if you'd seen the programme through, "'Tell your people that Mr. Nettleton's away for the night, "'and you've gone and locked yourself out by mistake. "'Above all, don't come back unless you want to give the whole show away. "'He'd know at once that you'd discovered everything, "'and even your life wouldn't be safe for another minute. "'Unless you promise, Sarah, I'll just wait for him myself with a policeman.' "'My reasoning was cogent enough for that simple mind.' on the other hand the word of such an obviously faithful soul was better than the bond of most and altogether it was with considerable satisfaction that i heard old sarah trot off into the night and then myself ran every yard of the way back into the Delaboy's house up to this point as i still think i had done better than many might have done in my place but for my promise to uvo and the fact that he was even then lying waiting for me to redeem it i would not have rushed to a sick man with my tail yet i must say that i was thankful i had no other choice as matters stood and i will even own that i informed no definite plans beyond the point at which uvo having heard all was to give me the benefit of his sound judgment in my definite dilemma To my sorrow he took the whole thing in an absolutely different way from any I had anticipated it. He took it terribly to heart. I had entirely forgotten the gist of our conversation before I left him. He had been thinking of nothing else. The thing that I had expected to thrill him to the marrow, that would have done nothing else at any other time, simply harrowed him after what it seemed that I had said three-quarters of an hour before whatever i had said was overlaid in my mind for the moment by all that i had seen and heard but uvo delavoye might have been brooding over every syllable you said you wouldn't envy me he cried huskily if poor old nettleton fell under the influence in his turn you spoke as if it was my influence it isn't but it may be that i'm a sort of a medium for its transmission sole agent hey gilly my god that's an awful thought but you gave it me just now and i shan't get shot of it in a hurry none of these beastly things happened before i came here i the legitimate son of this infernal soil i'm the lightning conductor i'm the middleman in every deal my dear uvo we've no time for all that i said he had started up in bed painfully excited and distressed and i began to fear that i might have my work cut out to keep him there ''We agreed to differ about that long ago,'' I reminded him. ''It's only another way of putting what you said just now,'' he answered. ''You said you did not believe in my power of infecting another fellow with my ideas. You spoke of my responsibility if the other fellow put them into practice. And now he's done this hideous thing, had done it even when we were talking.'' ''He hasn't done it yet, and I mean to know the reason, if he ever does,'' said I perhaps with rather more confidence than I really felt. I went on to outline my various notions of prevention. Uvo found no comfort in any of them. You can't trust him alone there for the night after this, Gilly. He'll pull it off, Sarah or no Sarah, if you do, and if you send him either to prison or an asylum, but you won't be sending him. That's just it, Gilly. He'll have been sent by me. It was the case of the devil quoting scripture, but I was obliged to tell Uvo, as though I had found it out for myself, that criminals and criminal lunatics were not made that way. Villain-worshippers did not go to such lengths unless they had the seeds of madness or of crime already in them. Uvo could not repudiate his own thesis, but he said that if that were so, he had watered those seeds in a way that made him the worst of the two. There was no arguing with him, no taking his part against this ruthless self-criticism. He owned that in Nettleton he had found a sympathetic listener at last, that he had poured the whole virus of his ideas into those willing ears, and now here was the result. He threatened to get up and dress and to stagger into the breach with me, or instead of me. No need to recount our contest on that point, i prevailed by undertaking to do any mortal thing he liked as long as he lay where he was with that quincy then save the fellow somehow gilly he cried only don't you go near nettleton tonight he obviously isn't safe take the other risk instead since the old soul's out of the house let him set fire to it if he likes that's better than his murdering you on the spot then we must get him quietly examined without letting him know that we know anything at all, and if a private attendants all he wants, I swear I'm his man. It's about the least I can do for him, and it would give me a job in life at last. I did not smile at my dear old lad. I gave him the assurance his generosity required, and I meant to carry it out subject to a plan of my own for watching Nettleton's house all night but all my proposals suffered a proverbial fate within ten minutes when I was about to pass the still dark house and was suddenly confronted by Nettleton himself, leaning over the gate as though in wait for me. And here I feel an almost apologetic sense of the inadequacy of Nettleton's personality to the part that he was playing that night, for there was nothing terrifying about him, nothing sinister or grotesque. "'The outward man was flabbily restless and ineffective, "'distinguished from the herd by no stronger features "'than a goatee beard and the light, quick, "'instantaneously responsive eye "'of an uncannily intelligent child. "'And no more than a child did I fear him. "'Man to man I could have twisted his arm out of his socket "'or filled him like an ox with one blow from mine. "'So I thought to myself the very moment "'I stopped to speak to him, "'and perhaps, by so thinking, recognised some subtler quality "'and confessed a subtle fear. "'I was looking for my old servant,' said Nettleton, "'after a civil greeting. She's not come in yet.' "'Oh, hasn't she?' I answered, "'and I liked the ring of my own voice even less than his. "'Anyway, I can't make her hear, "'and the old fools left her door locked,' said Nettleton.' that's a bad plan i said not to score a silly point but simply because i had to say something with conviction it was a mistake Nettleton peered at me by the light from the nearest lamp-post have you seen anything of her he asked suspiciously yes i answered in obedience to the same necessity of temperament well he cried well she seemed nervous about something AND I BELIEVE SHE HAS GONE TO HER OWN PEOPLE FOR THE NIGHT. WE STOOD WITHOUT SPEAKING FOR NEARLY A MINUTE. A SOFT STEP CAME MARCHING ROUND THE asphalt CURVE, THROWING A BRIGHT BEAM NOW UPON ITS INDIGO SURFACE, AND NOW OVER THE FUSSY FRONTS OF THE RED HOUSES, AS A CHILD PLAYS WITH A BIT OF LOOKING-GLASS IN THE SUN. GOOD NIGHT, OFFICER, SAID NETTLETON, AS THE STEP AND THE LIGHT PASSED ON and I caught myself thinking what an improvement the asphalt was in Witching Hill Road and how we did want it in Mulcaster Park. We can't talk out here, and I wish to explain about this wretched rent, said Nettleton. Come in, or are you nervous too? I gave the gate a push, and he had to lead the way. I should not have been so anxious to see a real child in front of me, But Nettleton turned his back with an absence of hesitation that reassured me as to his own suspicions, and indeed none were to be gleaned from his unthoughtful countenance when he had lit up his hall without waiting for me to shut the front door. At that I did shut it, and accepted his invitation to smoke a pipe in his den, for I thought I could see exactly how it was. Nettleton, having found his candles out and his servant flown, having even guessed that i knew something and perhaps suspected more was about to show me my mistake by taking me into the very room where the conflagration had been laid for lighting of course i should see no signs of it and would presently depart at peace with a tenant whose worst crime was his unpunctuality over the rent nothing could suit me better it would show that the house really was safe for the night while it would give time for due consideration AND FOR ANY AMOUNT OF CONFERENCES WITH UGO DELAVOY. SO I CONGRATULATED MYSELF AS I FOLLOWED NETTLETON INTO THE ROOM THAT HAD BEEN LOCKED. OF COURSE IT WAS UNLOCKED NOW THAT HE WAS AT HOME, BUT IT WAS STILL IN PERFECT DARKNESS AS I MYSELF HAD LEFT IT. THE SHAVINGS rustled ABOUT OUR ANKLES, BUT NO DOUBT HE WOULD THINK THERE WAS NOTHING SUSPICIOUS ABOUT THE SHAVINGS IN THEMSELVES yet there was one difference perceptible at once and in the dark there was a smell that i thought might have been there before but unnoticed by sarah and me in our excitement it was a strong smell however and it reminded me of toy steamers and of picnic teas one moment and i'll light the gas we're getting in each other's way said nettleton i moved instinctively in obedience to a light touch on the arm and I heard him fumbling in the dark behind me. Then I let out the yell of a lifetime. I am not ashamed of it to this day. I had received a lifetime's dose of agony and amazement. My right foot had gone through the floor, gone into the jaws of some frightful monster that bit it to the bone above the ankle. "'Why, what's the matter?' cried Nettleton but not from the part of the room where I had heard him fumbling. Neither had he yet struck a light. "'You know, you blaggard,' I roared, with a few worse words than that. "'I'll sort you for this, you see if I don't. Strike a light and let me loose this instant. It's taking my foot off, I tell you.' "'Dear, dear,' he exclaimed, striking a match at once, "'why, if you haven't gone and got into my best burglar-trap?' He stood regarding me from a safe distance, with a sly, pale smile, and the wax vesta held on high. I dropped my eyes to my tortured leg, a couple of boards had opened downward on hinges, and I could see the rusty teeth of an ancient man-trap embedded in my trousers, and my trousers already darkening as though with ink, where the pierced cloth pressed into quivering flesh and bone. "'It's the very same thing that happened to that last maid of mine,' continued Nettleton. "'I shouldn't wonder if you'd never seen a trap like that before. "'There aren't so many of them, even in museums. "'I picked this one up in Warder Street, but it was my own idea to set it like that, "'and I went and quite forgot I'd left it ready for the night.' "'That was the most obvious lie. "'He had set the thing somehow when he had pretended to be going to light the gas.' BUT I DID NOT TELL HIM SO, I DID NOT OPEN MY MOUTH, IN SPEECH. I HEARD HIM OUT IN A DUMB HORROR, FOR HE HAD STOOPED AND WAS LIGHTING THE CANDLES ONE BY ONE. THEY WERE ALL WHERE THEY HAD ALWAYS BEEN, EXCEPT ONE THAT I MUST HAVE KICKED OVER ON ENTERING. Nettleton LOOKED AT THAT CANDLE WISTFULLY, AND THEN AT ME WITH A MANIACALLY SLY SHAKE OF THE HEAD, FOR IT LAY WITHIN MY REACH, BUT OUT OF HIS and it lay in a pool beneath glistening shavings for the whole room was swimming in the stuff that stank the lighting of the candles in my brain as well as on the floor had one interesting effect it stopped my excruciating pain for several moments we stood looking at each other across the little low lights like gullivers towering over lilliputian lamp-posts that is he stood well out of arm's length "'while I leaned with all my weight on one bent knee. "'Suddenly he gleamed and slapped his thigh. "'Why, I do believe you thought I was going to set fire to the house,' he cried. "'I knew you were. "'No, but now?' "'Yes, now. I see it in your damned face.' "'Really, Mr. Gillen,' exclaimed Nettleton, with a shake of his cracked head, "'I hadn't thought of such a thing. "'But I am in a difficulty.' The gas is on your side of the room, just out of your reach. So is the control of the very unpleasant arrangement that's got you by the heel. Is it the ankle? Oh, I'm sorry. But it's no use your looking around. I only meant the trap-door control. The trap itself has to be taken out before you can set it again. And that's a job even with the proper lever. After what's happened and the language you've been using, Mr. Gillen, I'm afraid I don't care to trust myself within reach of your very powerful arms, either to light the gas, or to meddle with my little monster.' "'See here,' I said through teeth, that I had set against my pain. You're as mad as a hatter, that's the only excuse for you.' "'Thank you,' he snapped in. "'Then it won't be the worse for me if I do give you a taste of hell before your death and cremation.' I'm sorry for you, I went on, partly because I did not know that the insane called for more tact than the sane, and partly because I was far from sure which this man was, but had resolved in any case to appeal with all my might to his self-interest. I'm sorry for anybody who loses his wits, but sorriest for those who get them back again and have to pay for what they did when they weren't themselves. You go mad and commit a murder but you're dead sane when they hang you. That seems to me about the toughest luck a man could have, but it looks very like being your own. Which of these four candles do you back to win? inquired Nettleton, looking at them and not at me. I put my money on the one nearest you, and I back this one here for a place. Two people know all about this, I may tell you, said I with more effect. Nettleton looked up. "'Uvo Delavoye's one, and your old Sarah's the other.' "'That'd be blowed for a yarn,' he answered, after a singularly lucid interval, if he was not lucid all the time. "'I think I see you walking into a trap like this if you knew it was here.' "'It's the truth,' I blustered, feeling to my horror that the truth had not rung true. "'All right, then you deserve all you get for coming into another man's house.' When your servant came for me, when we found out together that you were trying to burn it down? I was doing my best to reason with him now, but he was my master, sane or crazy. His cleverness was diabolical. He took the new point out of my mouth. Yes, for going away and standing by to see me do it, he cried. But that's not the only crow I've got to pluck with you, young fellow, and the other jacks in office behind you. Must pay your dirty extortionate rent, must I? Very last, absolutely final application, was it? Going to put a man in possession, are you? Very nice, very good. You're in possession yourself, my lad, and I wish you joy of your job. He made for the door, hugging the wall with unnecessary caution, leaving a bookcase tottering as an emblem of his respect. But at the door he recovered both his courage and his humour. I ALWAYS MEANT TO GIVE HIM A WARM RECEPTION, HE CRIED, AND BY GOD YOU'RE GOING TO GET ONE. HE OPENED THE DOOR, MADE ME A GROTESQUE SALUTE, AND IT WAS ALL THAT I COULD DO TO KEEP A HORRIFIED FACE TILL HE WAS GONE. NEVER HAD I THOUGHT HIM MAD ENOUGH TO LEAVE ME BEFORE HE WAS OBLIGED. YET THE FRONT DOOR CLOSED SOFTLY IN ITS TURN. NOW I WAS ALONE IN THE HOUSE AND COULD HAVE CLAPPED MY HANDS WITH JOY. I plunged them in my pockets instead, took out the small shot in my possession, and fired them at the candles, even to my watch. But my hand had shaken. I was balanced on one leg and suffering torments from the other. The four flames burnt undimmed. Then I stripped to the waist, made four bundles of coat and waistcoat, shirt and vest. It was impossible to miss with these. As I flung the fourth— Darkness descended like a kiss from heaven, and a loud laugh broke through the door. Nettleton came creeping in along the wall, lit the candles one by one, and said he was indebted to me for doing exactly what he thought I would, and throwing away my own last means of meddling with the arrangements. I went mad myself. I turned for an appreciable time into the madder man of the two. The railing and the raving were all on my side. They are not the least horrible thing that I remember. But I got through that stage, thank God. I like to think that one always must if there is time. There was time, and to spare in my case. And there were those four calm candles, waiting for me to behave myself, burning away as though they had never been out, one almost down to the shavings now, all four in their last half-inch yet without another flicker between them of irresolution or remorse true ecclesiastical candles to the end i had spattered them till my mouth was like an ash-pit but there they burnt corpse candles for the living who was worse than dead mocking me with their four charmed flames but mockery was nothing to me now Nettleton had killed the nerve that mockery touches. When I shouted, he gave me leave to go on till I was black in the face. Nobody would hear me through the front of the house, and perhaps I remembered the heavy shutters he had made for the French windows at the time of the burglar scare. He went round to see if he could hear me through them, and he came back rubbing his hands. But now I took no more notice of his taunts the last and cruellest was at the very flecks of blood on the floor and shavings flung far as froth in my demented efforts to tear either my foot from the trap or myself from limb to limb and i had only sworn at him in my terrible preoccupation no that's where you're going old cock he had answered and by the way Gillon, when you get there i wish you'd ask for your friend delavoye's old man of the soil tell him his mantle's descended on good shoulders will you tell him he's not the only pebble on the shores of sticks that gave me something else to think about towards the end but i had no longer any doubt about the man's inveterate insanity his pale eyes had rolled and lightened with unstable fires there had been something inconsecutive even in his taunts consistent only in keeping out of my way he had explained himself once when i was trying to picture the wrath to come upon him in the felon's dock in the condemned cell on the drop itself it was only fools who looked forward or back said edgar nettleton and i who have done a little of both all my life like most ordinary mortals as i look back to the hour which i had every reason to recognise as my last on earth THE ONE REDEEMING MEMORY IS THAT OF THE COMPLETE CALM WHICH DID ULTIMATELY OUST MY UNDIGNIFIED DESPAIR. IT MAY HAVE BEEN AN ANSWER TO THE PRAYERS I UTTERED IN THE END, INSTEAD OF CURSES. THAT IS MORE THAN MAN CAN SAY. I ONLY KNOW THAT I WAS NOT MERELY CALM AT THE LAST, BUT IMMENSELY INTERESTED IN WHAT NETTLETON WOULD HAVE CALLED THE WINNING CANDLE. IT BURNT DOWN TO THE LAST THIN DISK OF GREASE, shining like a worn florin in the jungle of shavings that seemed to lean upon the flame and yet did not catch then the wick fell over the last quarter inch of it and i thought the candle had done its worst head and heart almost burst with hope no the agony was not to be prolonged to the next candle or to the next but one the very end of the first wick had done the business in falling over I had forgotten that strong smell and the pools now drying on the floor. It began in a thin blue spoonful of flame that scooped up the worn grease coin, grew into a saucerful of violet edged with orange, and in ten or twenty seconds had the whole jungle of shavings in a blaze. But it was a violet blaze, it was not like ordinary fire. It was more like the thin blue waves that washed over the rocks of white asbestos in so many of our tenants grates and like a wave it passed over the surface of the floor without eating into the wood there were no hangings in the room the incendiary had relied entirely on his woodwork and within a minute the floor was a sea of violet flames with red crests there was one island I had stooped after Nettleton left me for the last time, and swept the shavings clear of me on all sides, garnering as many as possible into the hole in the floor where the trap had been set, and drying the floor within reach as well as I could with the bare hand. There was this island, perhaps the size of a hearth-rug, and I cannot say that I was ever any hotter than I should have been on such a rug before a roaring fire. But this fire did not roar, though it surged over the rest of the floor in its blue billows and its red-hot crests, flowing under the carpenter's bench as the sea flows under a pier. And the floor was not on fire, the fire was on the floor, and it was dying down, it was dying down before my starting eyes. Where the violet wave receded, it left little more mark than the waves of the sea leave on the sands. It was only the fiery crests that lingered, and crackled, and turned black, and my senses left me before I saw the reason, or more than the first blinding ray of hope. It was not Uvo Delavoye, and it was not Sarah, who was standing over me, when I awoke to the physical agony on which that of the mind had acted lately as a perfect anodyne. It was the Delavoye's doctor, Uvo, had sent for him in the middle of the night, Telling his poor people he felt much worse, having indeed a higher temperature, but being in reality only unbearably anxious about Nettleton and me. He wanted to know what Nettleton was doing. He wanted to be sure that I was safe in my bed. If his sister had not been nursing him, he would have made a third madman by crawling out to satisfy himself. As it was, he had sent for the doctor and told him all and the doctor had not only come himself but had knocked up his partner on the way as they were both tenants on the estate they might have been utter strangers to me that night and for a little time after nor was it in accordance with their orders that i got to know things as soon as i did that was where uvo delavoy did come in and with him his mother's new cook sarah in the bonnet with the nodding plume just as she had been to see her poor old master it's a beautiful maddow said sarah with a moist twinkle in her funny old eyes i only hope he won't want to burn it down i only hope you're keeping his eft to yourselves said i it'll do the estate no good if it gets out after all the other things that have been happening here trust us and the doctor," said uvo we're all in the same boat and your old musket's the only other soul who knows by the way his glance had deepened both they and sarah think it must have been coming on for a long time i'm quite sure it has said sarah earnestly i never did hear such things as mr nettleton used to say to me or to hisself and it didn't seem to matter who it was but of course it wasn't for me to go about repeating them i saw uvo's mouth twitching for some reason and I changed the subject to the miraculous preservation of the house in Witching Hill Road. The doctors had assured me that the very floor which my own eyes had beheld a sea of blazing spirit was scarcely so much as charred, and Uvo Delavoy confirmed the statement. It wasn't such a deep sea as you thought, Gilly, but it was the spirit that saved the show, and that's just where our poor friend overshot the mark. Spirit burns itself, not the thing you put it on it's like the brandy in the christmas pudding those shavings would have been far more dangerous by themselves but drenched in methylated spirit they burnt like a wick which of course hardly burns at all my methylated sarah chimed in he must have found it when he was looking for me all over my kitchens poor gentleman and me at my brother's all the time "'I just took a gallon from Drayton's stores "'because you get it ever so much cheaper by the gallon, Mr. Hugo. "'I must remember to tell your ma.' End of chapter 7